This is the Neurosurgery Podcast. Hi, welcome to the Neurosurgery Podcast. Here today recording live at the AANS meeting in Philadelphia, the first major large in-person meeting since the pandemic, and we've had a great turnout here. I'm very excited to be sitting down with Dr. Isaac Yang at UCLA, who's I've been seeing your posts all over Twitter about everything happening at the meeting, which has been getting me very excited to finally arrive today and see some of these things myself. And now I have the great honor of sitting down with you. So welcome to the podcast, sir. JP, thank you for having me. Uh, the honor is mine. There's such great energy. This is the first in person. Everyone just loves seeing each other. One reason we chose neurosurgery was the community. Yeah. And everyone is so happy to be back, to see each other, to be back in person, have an exhibit hall. I think we have over 3,500 people here, oh, yeah. and you can just feel it. it the energy is great, and it's great being here. And thank you so much for having me on here, JP. Yeah, of course. This is my, I haven't even been to any of the other meetings, but this is my first meeting at all since we started this podcast at CNS in 2019 in San Francisco, which was kind of our podcast debut. And then between the pandemic Wait, and- what happened in 2020? Did something happen in 2020? Uh, yeah, there was some, <laughs> something was going on, right? But, but between that and between being a junior resident, this is the first chance I've had to travel again and see everybody. So it's been very exciting and not only to see old friends, but to meet new people and make new friends like sitting down with you today. Um, and so I think quite appropriately, for this setting of returning to organized neurosurgery and being at this large-scale grand meeting again, we were going to talk about the surgeon's role within academia, within organized neurosurgery, all of these extra things we do besides meeting sick people and making them well again. And how do you find the time? Why do we do it? Why do some people choose not to do it? And so I, I know we were talking off mic a little bit about this and and you have some thoughts about where do you find the ambition to pursue these roles where do you find the time the energy what what's your kind of inner perspective on what part organized neurosurgery plays in in your career in in your life really i think it comes with being of having the honor of getting to do neurosurgery mm. like we get to do neurosurgery Neurosurgery was started by Harvey Cushing. Our society is a Harvey Cushing emblem. Yeah. And then Walter Dandy, and everyone trails their lineage back because surgery is an apprenticeship sport. Right. You, you just can't learn neurosurgery, spine surgery, cerebrovascular, skull base. You can't learn it from watching YouTube and reading a book. Although you can learn a lot of anatomy that way, yeah. you can't learn everything it takes that we do. The second thing that's so awesome about neurosurgery, like you said, we see sick people in the heat of their lives and we make them so much better. Spine surgeons do it, cardiovascular surgeons do it, tumor surgeons do it. We are making a huge impact in our patients' lives. The patients that you do surgery on, their gratitude, it's almost immeasurable to you and solely you. Yeah. But given that, and I'm not discounting that, but given that neurosurgeons, we scale poorly. We scale up poorly. You, JP, are you going to heal all these backs and do all this surgery? Let's just say you want to do all the surgeries in the world. How many surgeries can a resident, hardworking resident, do in a year? Right. Three, four hundred. There's only 24 hours in a day. I don't right. care how hard you work. You can't make that 25th hour a day happen. And so we scale poorly. We really make an intense impact on someone's lives, but we scale poorly as 
as uh, there just can't be another JP. There can't be another Isaac Gang. Right. Thank God. Thank God there can't <laughs> be another Isaac Gang. But but we can't clone ourselves. There can't be another Mike Lawton or Nick Barbaro or an Andy Parsons. You just can't clone people. And so we scale poorly. And that's why I think organized neurosurgery meetings, this organically is so important because it lets me pour into you. It lets me pour into the next generation and say, okay, you're coming up after me. Mm. I don't know exactly how to do what you do, T-lifts and crazy fusions and the laminectomies, and you don't, don't, aren't in my world, but I bet there's one or two things that you could learn from me. And more importantly, there's one or two things that I could learn from Mike Wang, right? He's a spine surgeon. I remember we were just talking that. Yeah. He, and I remember meeting him when I was a med student. There are one or two things that he can teach me and that this national unique organic collaboration and mixture of people all together in one place and all of our families are at home yeah all our clinics are you know thousands of miles away i got no other obligations except to sit here and talk to you that allows us all to invest in each other receive give and take give and take and then when we all go back the specialty us neurosurgeons we're richer and better and it's better for our patients yeah i think that's why we all need to meet yeah and i i don't think you really can quantify the value of that experience. Uh, I know for myself at the level that I'm at, the amount that I've learned at these meetings, and and as you say, it's not stuff in textbooks, it's not the anatomy, you can get that from a video or from reading and studying and what have you, but learning about how to be an individual in the community, learning how to not make algorithmic decisions, but make value judgments. Absolutely. Make those unquantifiable calls, that's something you really only can learn person to person and so the more people you meet and interact with the more you can kind of take all of that general experience and average it out into what seems right to you in in a given moment where you have to make a call and so if that's the value and that's the role of organized neurosurgery within our lives within our careers then let's turn and think about the organizers of organized neurosurgery right because to to have this meeting somebody has to book a space someone has to right exactly (laughs) someone has to shoulder that heavy load and it obviously it takes much many many people more than just one person but it's those individuals that choose to say we value this so much or i value doing xyz or i enjoy corralling a bunch of cantankerous neurosurgeons and booking Wait, a space. No, I, I don't know any cantankerous neurosurgeons. Never met one. No, no, I don't right. believe you. Well, that, that's how you no, know I mean, you're these not are a resident pe- anymore. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm just going to name them. Reg Haith, Ann Stroink, Rich Byrne, yeah. uh, Mike Wang, uh, John Ratcliffe. You know, th- these are the people who are giving of themselves, their time, valuable, right? These are RVU hours, right. time with your family. Uh, it takes a lot of effort to put a meeting like this together. Absolutely. And, and I, would act, I would completely agree with you that the names you just listed yeah. and almost anyone you see in these the high echelon of leadership roles yeah. are actually not cantankerous. They're very friendly. They're very approachable. Yeah. And as you say, they're volunteering their time yeah. where they could be generating, they could be healing the sick, yeah. first and foremost. On top of that, they could be generating revenue for their institution, Mm -hmm. generating revenue for their own pockets, their families. These people have children, right? And yet they're choosing to arrange this meeting. Yeah. And so we've talked on the show before a lot about, we talked with Dr. Jacques Morcos about the anatomy of a neurosurgeon. What makes someone go into the field at all? Sure. The, The cognitive background, the emotional background, what's that drive? But then putting aside joining the field at all, what do you think 
is the anatomy of someone who sets aside that time, sets aside that clinical time, revenue generating time to make a meeting. What, what do you think is different? We, we touched on the generosity, the kindness of these people, right? Yes. They'll volunteer. Yeah. But what else do you think is different on the inside of, of a neurosurgeon who says, you know what, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to help organize one of these large meetings? I mean, I think all those people I mentioned are good teachers. If yeah. I could draw a link. And, and, and I think teaching sometimes has this like connotation where, hmm. oh, look at me. I'm Reg Hade, all powerful. Learn from me. Or, or Mike going, oh, I know. And I'm like, hey, Mike, I don't do spite surgery. And he goes, oh, nothing to learn. Or, you know, right. oh, look at me. I am all powerful. So and so, you know, surgeon. I, I don't think it's like that. I don't think it's this connotation of, Look, it's more of servant leadership. It's them putting in the hours and the time yeah. to lead the tip of the spear, to lead from the front, say, look at me. If I'm giving up my time, if Mike is giving up his time, his time is more valuable and he can do pay, help more patients in a better way than I can and put more money in his pockets than I can, then I'm like, well, as a follower, I have to at least chip in in some way. So mm. I think – when I see these people who are leading and trying to put the means together, I think that they are trying to teach that our connections and our bonds, our family of neurosurgery, our brother and sisterhood of neurosurgery is yeah. just as important as healing sick people, helping sick people, uh, doing things for our community, and helping our institutions because there's organic meetings here. There's random meetings. This is a opportunity organic yeah. production from randomness that different collaboration because you need everyone in the same space this couldn't happen over zoom right because we if it's not scheduled there's no organic random randomness to do it and then the last thing is the bond that we all help when we all look at each other eye to eye we all know what it's like to have the complications that mm -hmm. we know what it's like to have bleeding you can't control we know what it's like for surgeries to go sideways and I think that takes – we don't talk about that a whole lot, but I think it takes its toll. And I think it's a heavy burden that neurosurgeons carry. And I think this – putting neurosurgeons together, that teaching apparatus allows us to teach each other how to cope, how to learn, how to rise above, and then to go home with an esprit de corps. Yeah. To say, hey, this is what we do. I have a whole bunch of strong arms of brotherhood and sisterhood around me that know what I do know that there are costs to pay, that the costs are sometimes really high, but they pay it and so do I, and we're all going to go back and do it. And I think that's what those leaders like Reg and Mike and Rich, yeah. that they see is that they see the value in bringing people together in teaching them that camaraderie and, the, and that you are just not on an island doing this by yourself because it's really hard to do. Yeah. You know, it's really interesting and I think critical that you pointed out it's not just about, oh, look at me, I am the god of neurosurgery. Because it's so Wait, easy. Wait, you're not the god of neurosurgery? No, I'm, I'm sorry. Were you misled? Podcast over. All right, Podcast we're over. out. Cancel it. <laughs> but it, it's so easy, I think, when you see anyone in any position of leadership, it's easy to sit back and say, oh, they just want the prestige. They want the accolades. They want the title. And, and we say you, you are honored to be named the chair of blank, the president of blank. But what we're really saying is, Hey, uh, congratulations. Here's another job, right? Here's an entire job in addition to your other job. And you probably have 12 titles at your hospital, more emails, more meetings, more calls, right? And so these people who do these things, 
it, it's easy to sit back and say it's blind ambition and they want the praise of their peers. And but they're really signing up for additional hours and hours of unpaid work. Absolutely. We don't see it. Like, so I'm going to talk about Iron Mike Wang. I'm just going to say, right. okay, so I'm just going to call him out and just true story. I was at the SPS meeting. Okay, so yeah, I was there at the SPS meeting. That's not the point. But he was leading it, and there was like 1,200 abstracts to read. Right. And Mike says, oh, I'll go through all of them. And like, this is a table. Reg is there. I mean, everyone is there. Rich is there. And there's like 50 of us. And we're all sitting there expecting him to go, everyone take 20. Right. Go through it. And, and he's like tip of the spear going. And he's the leader of the group going, actually, I'll just read all 1,200. It'll take me four days. I'll go through it, you know, whatever. And we're all just like jaw dropping on the floor going, why do that to yourself? You're not getting paid. This will get zero recognition. You're the leader. And yet he's saying, I'm going to do all this extra work for this. And all of us see that and said, no, we can't let you do that. B, you're an awesome leader. Just spread it amongst all of us and give us. But I really did. It's a, this is a true story. You can ask him. But at this meeting, did you literally volunteer to read 1,200 abstracts with like not even a like a like a little bit of a jokey or not even like any sarcasm? It was a, it was a dead. I'm going to review all 1,200 and yeah. I will do it. And I was like, no, you're not. But that kind of spirit and that humble servant leadership is definitely in it. And I think that's really important for all of our, when you see the leaders are doing it, I don't think it's, it's not just glory. It's a lot of guts, a lot of hard work that they are doing and we all benefit from it. And I think it's really important as we're here, there's new energy and all these people, over 3,000, 3,500 people all together, that random energy, organic energy. We are all just so excited to be here, to learn, to learn from each other. You know, I'm learning from you, you're learning from me and it's, it's just great. It makes the specialty better. Yeah, so, I mean, that is just an inhuman amount of work from that one, <laughs> that one little story, right? But knowing Dr. Wang, I can perfectly imagine him doing that without even a second thought. Yeah. Right, just reflexively, just, yeah. oh, I'll just do it next, yeah. Yeah. this next item. And I think we are all like that to some extent. You can't be in this field without the willingness to do that amount of work and that no-nonsense, just, oh, well, I'll just take care of it myself attitude. But obviously there's a spectrum of that. And I think in sitting here talking about what makes a neurosurgeon choose to pursue those roles of leadership, we've kind of in parallel been talking about why would someone not choose to do that at the same time, right? Because we're listing all the cost, the time, the energy, the amount of work that you're heaping on yourself. But, but maybe we can flip the coin and think a little bit about the majority of surgeons who attend this meeting who are not on the stage, who are not running a committee or running the meeting and are just here to learn, just here to meet people. And so what, what do you think goes into the mindset of someone who is within academics, has leadership roles at their institution, performs functions at these meetings, but doesn't feel that drive, doesn't feel that need to go for the, the top position and, and be the head of X? I would say you are normal. Yeah. <laughs> and that I am one of you. Yeah. <laughs> to that neurosurgeon who is just here and says, I don't want to be the head of anything, I would say, yes, you are normal, and I am in the same boat. I don't – I think that's a very normal thought. I don't want to do that extra work. Uh, I don't want to be the leader, and I'm just here. And by the way, I don't think that they're any less important. If you don't have 3,000, 3,500 neurosurgeons here – who are all the teachers going to speak to? You yeah. have a plenary hall that is empty. And every single person is giving up their practice time here. 
Mike yeah. Wang's clinic time is not more valuable than so-and-so's clinic time. And I've, I have a lot of good friends here that I'm meeting that are in private practice. One of my good friends, Cheyenne Raman from Kaiser. We're on the same flight here. We caught up and he's giving up Kaiser clinic time. I'm giving up UCLA, UCLA clinic time. They're both equally valuable. And everyone who's here, all the private practice, all the academicians and everything in between, I think it's so important because if everyone decides not to come, the meeting, the meeting goes away and the meeting is, is done. And I think it's so important that we have everyone come because everyone has a role to play. Yeah. And so that just by attending, that is enough and that that's really important. Right, of course. Well, you know, this has been a phenomenal conversation. And as you mentioned yourself, completely organic. Were we not at this meeting, passed in a hallway, that this may have never happened because as you you know, it's 2022. We're post-pandemic, everything's happening virtually, everything's happening on Zoom, and that is an incredible tool, and it enables more conversations, it enables more interactions. We've done, probably at this point, the majority of our podcasts have been recorded virtually, but there's no passing each other in the street on Zoom, right? It has to be arranged in advance, it has to be scheduled. There's no sitting in a lobby and your friend goes by and say, hey, do you wanna talk about something, right? And so, getting back to these in-person meetings, um, with gratitude to those surgeons who took their time and took their energy to make it happen has enabled conversations like this. So, Dr. Yang, thank you so much for giving your time to come on and talk with us on the podcast. JP, thank you so much. I learned a lot from you. Thank you for talking to me. I appreciate the random organic energy. And if you're listening to this and you're here at AANS, that's so fantastic. So glad that everyone's here. And if you aren't here, that's okay too. I hope to see you at the next meeting. Every single person here is important. Everyone has a role to play. And the more people that are here, the better the energy. Thank you. God bless. Disclaimer time. The opinions and ideas expressed in this show are solely those of myself, Dr. Wang, and our guests. They do not represent the opinions of any professional institution or organization. This show is for entertainment purposes only and does not constitute the giving of medical or legal advice. Listening to or participating in this show does not constitute continuing medical education or any other professional certification. It's just a show, everybody.